Father, uh, we do uh, thank you again. Thinking about this letter and thinking about the conviction of John, Lord, and what had to be going on in his heart at that time. And I thank you again, God, that you use men and their circumstances and what's happening in their lives, God, to communicate your heart to us. And I pray that we would just get an understanding of how great our God is, how good our God is, and Lord, that we would fall more in love with you because of what we read today. We would have a greater understanding of this thing we call salvation. And Lord, that we would walk in it in a different way after we've heard your word. So bless this time, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we uh, began last week in, in opening up 1 John, we talked about in the first four verses that the first four verses are kind of 1 John in a nutshell. Now we're just gonna develop those as we go, and we're gonna look at those in kind of different sections that he's gonna pick out and he's gonna emphasize as he goes through his letter. And today we're gonna look at this section of what is real fellowship with God? What is a, in other words, maybe we could say it like this. What is true salvation? Because you see, there was those groups that were, that we talked about that were influencing the church there uh, in Ephesus, I believe is where John was writing. And these groups had a lot of different, that's some weird stuff going on. Unlike today, that was sarcasm. Right, there's so much out there and there's so much going on and what do we believe, what should we believe and, and what is this relationship we have and what does that look like? And, and listen, I think they were just as confused as some people get confused today. And John's concerned about them and he's concerned mostly about what's going on in their hearts. And so he's challenging them, I think in a, in a very strong way, which also is gonna be a challenge for us. Today, we're gonna to talk about this ugly thing called sin that our world doesn't wanna talk about. Our world doesn't wanna recognize. And so we're gonna get into that and we're gonna look at what does that mean to you and me and what should it mean as believers in Jesus Christ? So Paul begins here, listen, or Paul, John begins here and he starts out with this idea of, of telling them, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now here's what's kind of fascinating is John begins here making an absolute statement. In our culture, people say there's no absolutes. As a matter of fact, they say there's absolutely no absolutes, which always cracks me up. There are absolutes, and here's the thing. One of them is light and darkness cannot be together. Have you noticed that? Have you ever noticed when you go in a room and turn the light on, the darkness is gone, and you turn the light off and the darkness is there? They don't coexist. And so he begins with that whole idea of light and darkness. Now, listen, I think part of it is coming from some of the false teachings, but now he's trying to clarify it and make it a reality for believers. So you and I, first of all, we need to recognize, number one, this was a message that John heard from Jesus. And here's what kind of cracks me up. Some of the commentators go, now can you really find a place where Jesus really talked about that? Well, uh, 
when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he kind of talked about that. And people say, well, that's not God. Yeah, Jesus was God. So he did in some ways, but also all through scripture. Through scripture, it's talked about as, as God being light and God giving light and chasing away the darkness. As a matter of fact, in Exodus chapter 13, when he's leading the children of Israel, and uh, he said, it's said there, he led them by a pillar of fire by night. I'm sorry, a pillar of cloud by, a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day, right? So there was light, listen, and that's one of the aspects, but all through scripture, it's first of all, light is spoken of as God's truth embodied in his word. And we sort of talked about this last time. Listen, if you have truth, everything that's not true is on the other side of the line. You draw lines when you do that. And here's what John's saying. Listen, number one, God is light. So we can say God is truth. And God has given us his truth in his word, and he's gonna develop that as we go. So there's the obvious thing in scripture, light represents truth, or the truth of God in his word. Secondly, it represents virtue and morality and in his word, and given us that aspect. So. If God is light and in him is no darkness, what does that mean? The two cannot dwell together, right? So John, listen, I, I think as John is, is developing even his thought in his mind as he's talking about this, I think he's going, wow. We need to have a greater understanding of that and of who God is. So then, listen, then in verse six, here's what he says. So, Here's a conclusion. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, in verse 6, in verse 8, in verse 10, he says, if we say or if we claim something. And I think this is important. So here's what he's saying. If we say that we have fellowship with God and we walk in darkness, he says, we lie and we do not practice the truth. That's pretty intense, isn't it? I mean, John just called a whole bunch of people liars. That's, that's heavy duty. And every time I read the book of 1 John, I think, and that's the apostle of love. And it truly is because he cares. And you can't, listen, you can't say one thing with your mouth and live an entirely different thing. Your life reflects who you really are. And if you say one thing with your mouth and live a different way, you're a liar. You're saying something that's not true. Now, I think it's important because I, you know, I have some people tell me, you know, people, when they talk to pastors, they can say the weirdest things, not you guys, other people. You know, they just, sometimes they say, they say some of the weirdest things. Like I have some people say, well, you know what? I don't really, I don't really like the church and I don't really, I'm not really in love with God, but when I, when I die and get to heaven, I will. And I think, what makes you think you're gonna change when you die? Listen, if you don't love Jesus right now, you're not gonna love him when you die. I hate to be a, you know, spoiler alert, but it's not gonna happen. It's not, you, death is not gonna change that in your life. Now, you may regret not loving him because of where you are, 
but you're still not going to love him. And he says, how can you say that you're in love with God and you're living contrary to that? You can't say that. You're a liar. And he brings that up. Now, here's what I got to draw a conclusion from. There were some people in the church at Ephesus doing that. So there were people in the first century church living that way. And there's people in the 21st century church living that way. Some of us, we go to church on Sunday, we have a smiley face, we have our little religious thing on, and we act all right, and then the whole rest of the week we live entirely different, and we come to church and we're all holy. Not. Hey, if you're not holy during the week, you're not holy on Sunday or Saturday night or whenever you come. And we need to understand that. So John's calling a bunch of people out. Now listen, I think, I think that's pretty intense for him just to call them out and bottom line telling them they're a bunch of liars and they don't practice the truth. Now, the flip side of that, I love this. This is, you know, in the Old Testament, in the Psalms and stuff, they have parallelisms. One thought builds on another or one thought contradicts or changes the other. And that's how, that's how Hebrew poetry works. It's not words rhyming, it's thoughts meaning things. So, uh, so listen, he's doing the same thing. He gave us one thing. If we say that we have fellowship with God, but live in darkness, the truth is not in us. We're liars. But look at verse seven, here's the contrast. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Woo! Yes! And you read that verse, listen, that verse should excite you if you're a believer. Because those unbelievers or posers or pretenders or religious people are saying one thing and living a different thing. But true believers, listen, true believers, he says, first of all, we walk in the light. Listen what it does not say, because here's what a lot of our minds do. We translate this wrong. He does not say if we walk according to the light. Big difference. You see, if you walk according to the light, that means you're getting into legalism, and you got this list of do's and don'ts, right? And that's it. He says if we walk in the light. Here's what I find in my life. When I get in the light, everything changes, I worked underground in, in, in Bisbee. And when you get underground, I worked 3,200 feet underground. That's a long ways. And when you get underground, there is no light. There's no sunlight whatsoever. And it was always kind of fun to get in places and turn our, 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 our lights off, our helmet lights off. And it's so dark. But here's what I find. The minute you turn a light on, poof, the darkness is gone. Do you get what I'm getting at? The minute we get in the light, the darkness is gone from our life. And we need to understand that. And we need to be people that we want to walk in the light because when you get in the light, then cleansing can take place. And I love what he says. Listen, if we walk in the light, not according to the light, but if we get in the light, what does he say? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. Oh, and what does it cleanse us from? From all sin. Not, and we're going to talk about this, not from mistakes, not from oopses, not from diseases, not from, it cleanses us from sin. When you get in the light, it just like disinfects everything, right? You go out in the sunlight, sunlight's good for us. 
in spite of what they were trying to do to us a year ago. It's good to get outside. It's good to get in the light. Sunlight is important. But you know what? The light of God's word is so much more important and cleansing for our souls. And when you come in the light, you can't hide sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, I love reading that story. It's just, to me, very, very intriguing, trying to figure these two out. The amazing thing was, you know, some of us, some of us get mad. Even yesterday or last night, some lady came up and told me that she thought Eve was a real doof and uh, doing things. And I'm thinking, well, you know, you can say that, but I think she was pretty smart. I think, as a matter of fact, I think Adam and Eve, in my opinion, were probably the most intellectual people who ever lived. They were made by God, right? And they had that perfect fellowship with God. They were hanging out with him all the time until they decided to sin. And once they decided to go against God and eat of that fruit, after they did the, after they did the skin thing, what is the very next thing they did? God in the shadows, right? They were hiding in the shadows. Like, why are you in the shadows? And that's what God was saying. Adam, where are you? He wasn't saying, Adam, I lost you, where are you? He's going, Adam, where are you spiritually? What on earth are you thinking? And number two, why do you think in the shadows you can hide from me? Listen, when we're in the dark, we don't hide from God. We're hiding from ourselves. And so, listen, man, they had to come out in the light. And when they come in and out in the light, then things got exposed and things got healed. And that's what we need to understand. Don't be afraid to come into the light. It's kind of like this. Like, I'm kind of I'm weird about shower heads. I am. I just think they should be powerful, strong. I hate these water-saving little trinkets, drips of water on you. Like, how are you going to get clean with that? And we just bought one. The, uh, we bought one like a, three months ago. And it was like... I, I hate this thing. And I went online and I found one. This thing drowns you. Kanel <laughs> goes, Pat, this thing is ridiculous. And I go, it's so good. Because you get so clean, right? And listen, man, I get under that shower head and I hear what I think. I'm in the light. Because that's what the light of God does. Man, it just dumps on us and cleanses us. And we need to be people who are willing to get in the light. I love, Chuck Smith used to say it kind of this way. Get under the spout where the glory comes out. Right? Listen, it's not, he's not, John is not teaching a works thing here. He's teaching a thing that we have an opportunity to either get in the light or stay in the darkness. When you get in the light, great things happen. So he says, listen, and the blood, listen, the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. We need to know that. It's the blood of Jesus that takes care of the sin in our life. It's not what we do. It's not what we say. It's not how we, it's the blood that cleanses us. But to get to the blood, you got to get in the light. And then once you're in the light, here's what I love. And we have fellowship with one another. It always bothers me when people say, well, I don't go to church because I kind of, you know, I don't really like being around people. And I'm thinking that's kind of weird. And they'll say, I don't want to be around people, and it's not about people, it's about God. Listen carefully. John is going to emphasize this over and over. You can't have fellowship with God without having fellowship with his peeps. God loves his people. 
And they go hand in hand. And so when you come in the light, here's what happens. You can have fellowship, because here's what I know. When I am sinning and I'm not in the light, I don't like hanging out with believers, right? They're convicting. And then what's worse is you start hanging out with the world, and then someone in the world rebukes you. Like, that is really bad. Like, why did you just rebuke me? But listen, get in the light. Now, he's going to go back to the other one. See, he's kind of going back and forth. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, I'm going to skip down to verse 10 because it kind of says the same thing, only a little bit different. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So listen, these two things are talking about sin. I think one is talking about this thing we call the sin nature within us. When Adam and Eve did sin, they fell. They sinned against God. That caused a corruption within man that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And the only thing that will cleanse that corruption is the blood of Jesus Christ. But we're born with this thing called sin nature. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are a sinner. And that's what the Bible teaches. So here's what verse 8 is talking about that. If we say we don't have that, listen, if we say that we don't have that, he says, the truth is not in us. Why is the truth not in us? Because the word of God declares that we have that. And if you deny that, it's not in you. So then the other, verse 10, it says, if we have not sin, which is talking about acts of sin. And we get into this whole idea of sinless perfection. There are denominations in Christianity that talk about they quit sinning. And what's really bad is they, quit, they say they quit sinning and so now they're lying and now they're committing a sin that they don't know they're sinning. But here's the thing, they all redefine sin. And that's kind of what we've done in our world. Even as born-again believers, sometimes we redefine it. And we use different things. I hear people say, well, it's not sin. It's a moral failure. Well, it's sin. It's sin. Oh, it was a mistake. I heard a young guy who had a pretty prominent position and ministry, and this guy blew it morally, and here was his confession. I made a mistake. Dude, you did not make a mistake. You sinned. And when we start doing that, listen, we're not coming into light, and it's gonna haunt us, and it's gonna get us, and here's what John says. If you do things like that, here's what he says. The truth is not in you. You don't understand God. You don't understand God's word. You don't understand all that light. None of that is true in you. So people say, now, you know, it's like, it's like hey, now adultery, instead of saying someone commits adultery, they have an affair. Doesn't that sound cleaner? And I have a couple others. If you're drunkenness, now you have an addiction or a sickness. If you murder babies, it's called pro-choice. See how we begin to redefine things and we look at things? How about this? If you lie, you're just misleading somebody. And listen, we, we all get caught into this, right? If you're selfish, 
You know selfishness is a sin. If you're selfish, here's what we say, especially in America and in the church in America. I'm just standing up for my rights. Be careful. Be careful, listen, and so we begin to redefine all of this because we don't want to call sin, sin, and we don't want to admit it's wrong, and then we want to say, you know, well, it's this or it's that. Sometimes even people say, hey, it was my environment, it was the way I brought up, it was my gene pool. I used to use that excuse. I come from, uh, my, my grandparents immigrated into this country from Eastern Europe, from Serbia. Serbians are mean people. And I can say that because I'm part of them. And I used to say I mean because I'm Serbian. And it gave me a right to be mean because that's my background. That's a lie. You know why I was mean? Because my heart was bad. Had nothing to do with my genetic makeup. Had nothing to do with my background. And we need to understand that we need to quit making excuses for sin. And you, listen, you will never get cleansed until you call sin, sin. Until you get to that point. John MacArthur says it this way. Listen to what he says. People today minimize and redefine sin, often alleging that the failures of their lives and certain disorders exist because of how others have treated them. The victim mentality reigns supreme as a popular culture, as a popular culture comforts itself in affirming that people are basically good and whatever may be wrong is not really wrong, but merely a preference of personal freedom. Instead of accepting responsibility for behavior, people demand to be accepted as they are. Wow. Look at where we're at and think about it. Listen, when I think of where we're at, I can't help but think about Malachi. In the book of Malachi, for homework, if you've never read Malachi, read it. If you have read Malachi, read it. For homework, read Malachi. I always like to say, you guys, if you've been here long, I always like to say Malachi's the Italian prophet, Malachi. So that's how you can remember him. But man, Malachi's so, such a, he's, he's like such a straight shooter. And I'm going to paraphrase or paraphrase and talk about, but listen, in the beginning of Malachi, he calls the people out. And he calls them out, not, not just because they're sinning, but because they had redefined everything and they had gotten to the point, listen carefully, where they were blaming God for where they were at. And it was God's fault. And God had done this. And why wouldn't I respond because of the kind of God you are? So they lost sight of who God was, began to blame him. And then I love, Malachi just calls them out and tells them they're wrong and they're liars. And it was mostly, listen, it was especially to do with their gifts they're giving. That's one of my favorite parts. They're doing these gifts and, and Malachi calls them out on the gifts because they're giving God all their junk. Some of us still do that today, right? You give God leftovers, you know you're supposed to give God your first fruits. Some of you are like looking at me like you want to shoot me right now. You're supposed to give God the best. And you keep the junk. So listen, they were doing that and I love it. Malachi calls them out and here's what Malachi says. He says, you know, you guys are cheating God. How are we cheating God? How are we cheating God? Don't you know what God's done to us? And he goes, you're cheating God in the way you come to worship him. And in your expression of love for him, which is your giving, 
And then he says this, why don't you give to God, and why don't you give what you give to God to your governor and see how he likes it? Huh, every time I read that I think of, you know, in, in our world, like I think most of you sitting here probably pay your taxes. Most of you get your taxes taken out, right? You don't even get a choice sometimes. How come we don't treat God that way? How come we don't give God first? I found in my paycheck, every paycheck I've ever gotten, the government takes theirs out first. They never like call me, hey, Pat, could you pay this? No, I don't feel like paying it today. But that's what we tell God. So Malachi, listen, Malachi calls him out because they'd gotten to the place where they redefined sin, redefined a relationship, so Malachi calls him out. John here is calling us out saying, hey, you can't go around saying you don't have any sin in you. That means you're a liar and the truth is not in you because you don't know the truth. And then in verse 10, he says, when you say you have not sinned, you make God a liar and his word is not in us or in you, right? I love that, that John kind of includes them. Hey, if I say I don't sin, then I make God out a liar and his word is not in me. Why? All through his word, I don't know if you've realized this, all through his word, he talks about sin, and he talks about the fact that we sin. So listen, John lays that out. Now, that's kind of the heavy stuff. Here's some good news. So, verse nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, one of my favorite verses. I love that verse, why? Because I sin. And here's what I know, listen. From that verse, here's what I know. I can go to God. Why can I go to God? Because he's faithful and just. Did you ever put that together? I can go to God because he's faithful and just. And because he's faithful and just, and because my sins were paid for, at the cross of Jesus Christ, I can go to God and I can talk about my sin and I know, listen, I know that he will forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Why? Because of the cross, not because of me, not even because of my confession, but because he is faithful and just and because he's already laid my sin upon Jesus and it's taken care of. So I can go to him. I think, listen, I think, I think a lot of relationship issues, a lot of our health issues, not necessarily so much physical, but some of our mental health issues, some of the things we struggle from, and I'm not like saying all of it, so don't get too uptight, but I think a lot of stuff going on in our lives is because we refuse to confess our sins, and we hang on to them, and they start eating at us. You ever have something eat at you inside, and it eats, and it eats, and it eats, and it eats? and you begin to wither away, and then you begin to be that person that nobody wants to be around because you're a grump, and you're not dealing with things, and then if you go long enough, it gets worse and worse and worse. Confess your sin. Come to him who is faithful and just, and understand that you can come to him. Here's what I love. I read a book a long time ago on prayer, and I loved one of the opening paragraphs, one of the opening chapters was this. What can you not tell God, a God who knows everything? If God knows everything, 
What is it there you can't tell him? You can tell him everything because he knows everything. Trust me, if you go to God and confess that you sin, he is not shocked. He's not put out. God doesn't go, you? I had no idea. He knows. So if he already knows, why can't you come and talk to him about it? As a teenager, did you ever get busted for something that you thought you had hid well and your parents busted you? Like my dad could bust me on things. Like as a teenager, I, I used to smoke. And I remember one time, my dad like shows up with a cigarette butt. I'm thinking, where did he get that? I put it in the toilet and I flushed the toilet. And then here's where my mind went. He's got a screen. My dad was a plumber. He's got a screen in there to screen out cigarette butts. But isn't it a bummer when your parents always showed up and they knew what you'd done before, almost before you did it, right? They knew what you did and they bust you out on it and they come in and you're like thinking, how do they figure that out? Well, because as parents, we have secret, like, secret uh, powers, right? To do certain things. But listen, God already knows. Just run to him. And I love the idea, listen, this is, you know, I, I, I love verse seven and verse nine. Actually, I don't mind six, eight, and 10. Verse five is pretty good too. But listen, I, I, I don't mind the ones that talk about, listen, if I live one way contrary to what I say, then I've got an issue and I need to deal with it. And as believers, we do that sometimes, come on. I don't want us to be all self-righteous this morning. Listen, I don't want us to be all self-righteous and think about, oh, I wish so-and-so was here. They really need to hear this. No, you're here, hear it. And we tend to do those things. We can get in that place. We can get in a place where we're not living for Jesus and we're not living right and then we're like that person that shows up, oh, praise God. No, not really. So we need to deal with that. Then verse eight, we need to understand, I got this issue inside of me. It's not God's fault. It's not my gene pool fault. It's me, it's who I am. And then we have to admit our sins. Don't call them mistakes. Don't call them whatever. Call them what they are. I don't mind those verses because they help me and they guide me. But man, I surely love verse seven and verse nine. Because verse seven and verse nine are all about me being cleansed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus and, and forgiven by a faithful God who's a good God and the minute, listen, the minute we start making excuses and looking at things, we start degrading God and who he is and what he's done for us. Don't forget that. And we need to be strong in that. And as believers, listen, as believers, when you sin, call it sin. Now, when he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That doesn't always mean confessing to people. You know, the Catholic Church built a whole doctrine on that, that you have to go in, have to do a confession, then they give you certain things you have to do and, you know, to get forgiveness and stuff, which we won't get into that, but that's not good. He's talking about confessing to God. And I think that's the most important. Listen, sometimes, 
Sometimes confessing to one another is not a good thing. Sometimes it can be bad. It can be harmful. But you can always go to God. Here's what I know. Sometimes confessing to one another, people are not so good about being faithful and just and forgiving. But God is. So go to God. So he's not talking about you have to go to somebody. You don't have to go to a clergy person or whatever you want to call them. Go to God. Get on your knees. Go to God. And remember when you go to God and you start confessing, it's that shower. And you're getting cleansed. And you're not getting a water saver cleansing. You're getting a full-on big one, right? And you're cleansed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We sang about that this morning, and then here John is talking about it. So here's the deal. You gonna walk in the light, or are you gonna stay in the shadows, or in the dark? It's your choice. The light's there for you. Just jump in it. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I do uh, thank you so much, Lord, as we think about this and as we look at what we've just read and, and kind of get it in our hearts. I thank you that you give us that great illustration of light and darkness. And all of us experience that to some degree. And we know that where there is light, there's no darkness. And where there's darkness, there's no light. And we can kind of get that picture in our mind and we can understand how we can't blur the lines. We can't begin to compromise the truth and we can't begin to bring in other things to make us feel better or to soothe us. But God, we need to walk in your light. And we need to be people who are willing to put ourselves in that position and God, I know from experience, the more I put myself in your light, the stronger my faith is to trust you. Because I've never come to the light and you let me down, never. You've always met me there and healed my soul. So I pray, God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that we would grab a hold of what John is communicating and that we would let it sink deep within us. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer just for a couple more moments. And if you are here today, and you've never come to the place where you've asked Jesus to forgive your sins and to come into your life, kind of like this, you've never come to that place where you've started this relationship that we've talked about, where you're starting that fellowship, then right now, right now is the time for you to do that. My Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And by that, here's what the Bible means. You need to come clean to him, just like we talked about. You need to come and you need to let God know that you know that you're a sinner. You need to be sorry for your sin, and you need to recognize what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You see, he came and took the punishment that we deserve. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, which means separation from God and that you suffer the eternal wrath of God. 
The good news is, by, is that Jesus took your punishment upon himself. The death that you deserve, the separation you deserve, the eternal punishment you deserve, he took upon himself and now he holds out for you that receipt that says paid in full. And the way you take that is just take it out of his hand right now this morning. Just tell him, yes, Jesus, I accept what you did for me and you will be saved. So if you wanna do that, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. You can say this prayer out loud or you can say it silently. Volume's not important, what's important is your heart. This has gotta be a sincere prayer. If you're watching online, you can say the prayer right in your home. You don't have to be here. You can say it where you're at. If you're backslidden, I like to say it this way. If you're backslidden, front slide, come home. Come back to Jesus and enjoy that relationship. Say this prayer with us. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And today I'm asking you for forgiveness. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And right now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.